Have you been given an IBS diagnosis, aka irritable bowel syndrome, or do you struggle with constant bloating, fatigue and gut issues that you can't seem to find the trigger for? If you're nodding your head, then I have just the thing for you. Did you know that one in five people are dealing with constant gut issues? And to be honest, I'm tired of the way we approach these with a medical view in mind without looking for the root causes. To empower and educate women on a larger scale to overcome bloating, fatigue and irregular bowel movements, I've created a six-week online gut solution. It actually is titled The Gut Health Solution and it is a nutrition-based program starting in October for women who are ready to overcome bloating, fatigue and irregular bowel movements. Working with a gut health nutritionist, myself, Sheridan, and in a supportive group of similar like-minded women, you're going to get the confidence you need to remove and introduce foods that are harming your gut to find solutions for your bloating and to start cooking delicious recipes that nourish and heal your body. But spots are limited, so jump to the show notes, my website, SheridanDecker.com, or find me on Instagram, Sheridan underscore functional nutrition, to get on the pre-sale list today. Hello, and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones, and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain, and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. I'm so excited to be here today to talk about autoimmune conditions and the autoimmune protocol with these guys because it's something that personally I have dabbled in and out of and I've struggled with autoimmune conditions for a while. So I think today is going to give a lot of insight, um, bust a few myths and just yeah, cover some topics with these guys that you might be interested in or have heard about about ARP stuff before. So today I have on board the beautiful Simone, an ARP certified coach, as well as our functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, so similar to myself. Simone supports uh, both men and women with thyroid and autoimmune conditions and helps them to reclaim better health. So she has firsthand experience with autoimmune disease, Hashimoto's, which did lead her to change career and learn as much as possible about looking into root causes, which I love and you all know I'm all about. So root causes of autoimmune conditions. And she now, yeah, is really passionate about helping others to do the same. So similar to myself, um, Simone uses the combination of functional lab testing because we always like to use that to look for these hidden stresses or imbalances within the body. So she also uses the autoimmune protocol, which we will chat about today to help calm inflammatory and immune responses. So just to help you understand your unique food triggers better and what could be contributing to your symptoms. So Simone 
aims to support and empower you. And I love that. I'm all about being empowered. I'm all about having the knowledge. So I'm stoked that she's there to provide you with knowledge and tools to live as well as possible, despite, you know, possibly an autoimmune diagnosis. So Thank you so much, Simone, for being here today. It's an absolute pleasure. And yeah, I'm so excited to have you on board. Oh, thank you so much, Sheridan. I'm really happy to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? So what what brought you, and I mentioned briefly the Hashimoto's, but what brought you to be so passionate about autoimmune conditions? Yeah, so... I guess, as you mentioned, I have firsthand experience with autoimmune disease. So I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis and I was diagnosed almost 14 years ago now. But I guess stepping back as to how I got to that point, um, before I moved into this field of work that I'm in now, my career originally took me in quite a different direction in the corporate world. And I'm sure some of you can relate to this, but... um, My job meant working really long hours and lots of stress. However, it was really after I left to have my first child um, and I could absolutely barely function. So at this point, I had no idea that I had Hashimoto's or potentially it hadn't even triggered yet. So my baby boy was born three weeks early and he was initially in special care because he was so small and he had reflux and eczema, wow. which really meant when we left the hospital, he barely slept. Um, the exhaustion was absolutely crippling. And at first I thought that was just what all new mums must feel like. But really once I saw a lot of friends who had babies around the same time um, start to go back to work, I really realised that this level of fatigue wasn't normal um and that was something was wrong so that was the start of the journey for me and like many many others it took me a long time to get a diagnosis doctors originally wrote off my symptoms as just you know due to having a new baby eventually I went to a naturopath who suggested that I go back to my doctor and ask for specific thyroid tests including thyroid antibodies which I'll be forever grateful for Um, And that's when I was given a diagnosis of Hashimoto's. And at the time, I honestly, I had no idea what that even was or that it was an autoimmune condition. And um, I distinctly remember all I was told was that it was my body basically attacking my thyroid gland and that it would progress over time, but that I could simply take medication to replace those hormones and it would all be fine. And probably also like others um, that got a diagnosis of some kind of autoimmune, um, I was initially relieved to get this diagnosis because it was an explanation for why I felt like I did. However, after a little while, when it all sunk in, I realised I really didn't know anything about Hashimoto's or what I could do to help myself feel better or even if there was anything I could do. The endocrinologist gave me no dietary advice. And in fact, when I asked if there was any changes I should be making, he told me there was no evidence that diet made any difference. Um, And so whilst I did initially feel a little bit better after starting thyroxine, I never got rid of most of the symptoms. So never regained any energy, felt well. I had huge fatigue still, dry hair, dry skin, 
crack ridge nails, bloating, cold hands and feet, and just pregnancy weight that never really shifted. Um, and every time I raise these questions uh, with um, the endocrinologist, I was just told that my TSH was now in range and I use air quotes for that. Yeah, um, yep. so, I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, it's so frustrating. And it really, it just did not sit right with me. Um, and I guess I'm the type of person to always search out the why for things. And no one was telling me why I was still so symptomatic or helping me with things that I could do to make me feel better. So um, I saw that many <laughs> practitioners. I saw nutritionists and naturopath and acupuncture, you name it. Um, and while some things sort of helped me feel a little better for a while it was usually quite short-lived um, and nothing really got to that root cause so I guess it was that experience that really led me then to take control of my own health and learn as much as I could eventually becoming a FDN practitioner like yourself um, you know because as you know it really is all about looking at the pieces of the puzzle and how to address the body as it functions as a whole and look for anything that might be causing symptoms. And it was really this way of looking at my health um, that led me to find many, many imbalances in my body that I could actually do something about. So I had bacterial overgrowth in my gut. I had low levels of good gut, back um, good gut bacteria, candida overgrowth, leaky gut, low stomach acid, nutritional deficiency detox issues um, and it was really once I then found autoimmune protocol and added that into the mix as well um, that it really calmed down the immune response and I really started to um, you know have a lot of those symptoms drop away and feel so much better so I then went on to continue to get certified to be an autoimmune protocol coach as well. Yeah that's that's interesting and I know that like as heartbreaking a sense as your story is because you had to go through all these things there's so many women and men who go through the same things right like who who struggle with a lot of the same issues and are looking for answers and they're not finding answers and there's also the aspect of yes you can you know look at hormones and look at gut and work and all that stuff as well but then there is also that immune element and and being aware of that as well it's not just oh I've got parasites or just got candida I just need to treat that and I'll be fine it's like well your immune is obviously firing up as well so there's there I don't know I feel like he can get so complex which is why it's so wonderful to work with someone like you who can go hey actually let's just start looking at root causes because there's never one root cause is there you know like there's there's always multiple things going on. And just like you said, well, you listed off, you know, a handful of things that were affecting mm. your health. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. And sometimes even knowing that in itself can be overwhelming. So I think that's where it's good to take the approach of just looking at it upstream and just chipping away. And obviously doing that with support makes a massive difference and trying to work all of that out on your own. Um, but that's honestly why I'm super passionate about helping to empower others to look into all of these things, because, you know, most people have tried a million things and they're frustrated. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and it takes a lot of guesswork. So just having that support to investigate some of those root cause issues um, and just calm down that inflammation and autoimmune response can just um, make a massive difference. So yeah, that's what motivates me to do this. Yeah, for sure. How long do you think it took you to go through that process, like that journey of once you started looking for underlying causes? Because if I think of my story, I reckon it still took me uh, it still took me a couple of years like of learning from different people and then different testing and then you learn about another bit of testing and you're kind of getting all these little pieces of the puzzle. Um, was it how long do you think it took your journey to sort of get to where you are today? Yeah, it's funny you should say the couple of years because I was just about to say to you it was probably a good couple of years. Yeah. And um, I say that because like you, we sort of had to pave our own way, I guess, and stumble onto yeah. things that could help us um, where, you know, it's different when we're working with clients because, you know, we know where to start already. Oh, yeah. And then what we uncover then leads the next direction that we can sort of take. So, yeah, if um, I always yeah. say to clients, and I'm sure you're the same, if I had one of myself, like if I had a you, like yeah. a Simone or a Sheridan in my life, like 10 years ago, oh man, my, I, yeah, I just yeah. I can't even, I'd reckon I'd be 20 or 30 grand richer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so expensive, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's why like, and, and look, functional lab tests aren't cheap. Um, but I'm a firm believer is um, put the money up front and lead the direction that we go from the beginning and you save so much money in the long run, you know, and hopefully um, feel better much faster as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. So for those listening who are going, oh, what actually is an autoimmune condition? I understand the thyroid stuff because I know there's something funny going on with my thyroid, but what's actually going on? Can you just explain briefly what an autoimmune condition is and how would, you know, how would it start? Yeah, sure. Um, so to put it simply, autoimmune disease occurs when your immune system, which is basically designed to protect us from foreign invaders like viruses and bacteria, um, it starts attacking your own tissue. And it does this by creating antibodies, um, which are usually used to identify and mount a response to destroy pathogens like that, that we're exposed to in everyday life. But in autoimmune disease, these antibodies target our own healthy tissue, which leads to inflammation and then destruction of cells. And I guess the location of which cells are attacked in the body determines which type of autoimmune condition you might develop. So obviously thyroid would result in Hashimoto's or Graves disease. Um, the gastrointestinal tract can be Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, joints, rheumatoid arthritis. So that's kind of how it develops and there's about 5% of the population has an autoimmune disease of some kind in Australia. So more than 1.25 million people. So it's, it's massive. And then how they start, um, really research has shown or they've identified three contributing factors. So the first is genetics. And we often see this in people with celiac disease where multi-generations can develop this. Although I have to say just because you have the genetic predisposition to a particular autoimmune condition doesn't mean those genes will actually express themselves or get turned on. Um, so there are things that, that obviously you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the second factor is environmental triggers. And um, 
it's often said that while genes load the gun, environment pulls the trigger. Yeah. <laughs> We've all heard that, I'm sure. Um, and when I say environmental triggers, I mean things like what we were talking about before. So pathogens like parasites, bacteria, viruses, both acute and chronic. So long-term infections like EBV or Epstein-Barr virus. Yeah. Um, chemicals your immune system might be exposed to, pollution in the water, pesticides in food, toxic cleaning products and personal care products. So it's quite a big list with environmental triggers that can um, contribute. Yeah. And then the third part are diet and lifestyle factors. So specifically intestinal, intestinal permeability or what we all know as leaky gut. Um, this is a common component in almost all people with autoimmune conditions, the research is showing. And then other factors such as sleep issues or lack of movement um, or exercise, prescription medications, um, stress also plays a huge part in developing an autoimmune disease. And it's very common, and I hear this with my clients a lot, that, um, you know, they were feeling fine until X, Y, Z happened, yeah. like a family or work stress, and then symptoms developed. And, of course, the other trigger is hormonal shifts like with pregnancy. So for me, it could have been tick any one of the above because, you know, I had the high stress at work, gut issues, um, many oh. rounds of antibiotics as a child, not great diet growing up either. And at some point I had EBV and didn't realize until relatively recently. Um, so yeah, it could have been any of those factors and it is um, one or more of those for um, yeah, most people. For sure. And I mean, honestly, with everyone listening today, they're going to go, oh, yeah, I tick, you know, out of those 10 things listed, I tick yeah. at least two or three, if not five or seven, more than likely nine or 10. Like it's just the, the common things that that I feel like everyone is exposed to. But like you said, there's different components because of the genetics and because different people can handle different stress and because you've got different things going on at different times and you can still yeah. be doing all the right things and eating really well and whatnot and still get an autoimmune condition. Like it's never a, a personal reflection. It's just a combination as to what you can handle, I guess, just like your story is. So mm. if you're if you're looking at these things then and you're going, well, wait a second. Yeah, I do have an autoimmune condition or this resonates with me. Can autoimmune conditions be cured then? Can medication or can diet or lifestyle actually cure them and then move on? Yeah, so um, unfortunately, autoimmune conditions can't be cured as such at this point um, because once you develop those antibodies we were talking about before that um, target specific tissue in the body our memory our bodies have a memory for life um, however it's absolutely possible to feel less symptomatic um, and reduce your inflammation you can halt or minimize the continued destruction by reducing antibodies um, you know and in turn go into remission so that's the aim and in my case with my Hashimoto's I've been in what would be considered remission um, for over 10 years um, where my Hashimoto's wow. hasn't progressed in that time. Unfortunately, by the time I was diagnosed, though, there had already been a fair bit of destruction on my thyroid gland, so I did need to do a low dose of thyroid hormone replacement, but that's not the same for everybody. 
Um, but it really it hasn't progressed beyond that. And in fact, I recently had a thyroid ultrasound and they were amazed that I still only had the same couple of small nodules that I had wow. in my last ultrasound over nine years ago. So, um, you know, but I've done a lot of work to support my body yeah. over that period of time. And of course, um, you know, following the autoimmune protocol. And um, I, I think the thing to mention on that too, it doesn't need to be either or like medication or natural support. They can both work together. And that sort of um, tends to be the case for most most clients and that's where the autoimmune protocol can be incredibly powerful um, supportive tool as well so you keep mentioning it <laughs> what yeah, is the sorry. autoimmune protocol <laughs> yeah exactly no no that's where I do it all the time even across our socials I'll be like I made this recipe from the AIP diet and it's great yeah. people going I don't know what the freak Sheridan's talking yeah. about so <laughs> for those who have an autoimmune condition or someone you know for those listening you will know someone with an autoimmune condition when you and you may not know that is an autoimmune condition, like, you know, say rheumatoid arthritis or something, you, you know that it's a destructive condition or psoriasis, but you don't understand that's autoimmune. And now you've kind of connected those dots and you've gone, okay, it can't be cured, but besides medication, what else can I do about it? And that's when we sort of go, Hey, AIP. So can you go in and um, give us some more information about that? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess the first outline or where they started to sort of draw some parallels of um, an autoimmune protocol um, concept, it was back as far as 1985, actually, by a physician, Boyd Eaton. Um, and then many researchers went on to do further work on that and expanded it from there until Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, known as the paleo mum. Yes. Some people may have heard of her. So she's a research scientist herself um, with an autoimmune disease. Um, and she delved into that research and expanded on it. And she wrote the paleo approach, which is um, really outlines the version of the autoimmune protocol that we use today. And she's really what I would consider the leading expert on it. So the protocol is used for those struggling with an autoimmune disease and it's used to um, reduce inflammation and help regulate um, and support the immune system and the body's natural ability to sort of heal and function. And the theory behind it is that certain uh, foods trigger inflammation and consequently it exacerbates our conditions and in turn our symptoms. So we want to remove all those foods initially we want to add nutrient-dense foods to supply the body with all that it needs, um, as well as we want to address some lifestyle choices that support rather than detract from our health um, and obviously minimise and manage stress because stress can really initiate the release of cortisol, our stress hormone, which in turn can negatively impact our immune system. But um, yeah, that's a quick summary that we can go into more detail. Yep, yep. Nope, that's that's awesome. Start to give us a starting point. So what kind of conditions would the autoimmune protocol help with then? Is that just across the board, any, any autoimmune condition the protocol will start to support? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's different for everybody, but it really can be beneficial in most autoimmune conditions um, and that's now really starting to be 
proven by results of some research studies that have been done recently. So back in 2017, a study was conducted on patients with inflammatory bowel disease, such as Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, and 73% um, experienced full remission within six weeks of starting the protocol, which is amazing. Wow. And then there was another one um, done more recently in 2019 on the impact of that it could have with Hashimoto's. And the majority um, experienced a significant decrease in symptoms along with lower markers of inflammation across the 10-week study. So really impressive results. And, you know, there's more studies um, currently underway as well. So I think over time we'll find out more and more about um, specifically which conditions it can help. But a lot of the clients that I support have Hashimoto's like me. Um, Others have um, IBD like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Um, even I've had a client with oral lichen planus, um, which is a condition which affects the inner lining of the oral cavity and that responded beautifully to AIP. Um, so I think it doesn't really matter so much on the specific autoimmune condition, the principle of reducing inflammation and regulating that immune response and boosting your nutrient density, um, by using AIP, it's really all the same. And, um, yeah, I totally get that living with an autoimmune disease can seem daunting or impossible at times. I've certainly felt like that myself in the past, but I can definitely tell you from my own journey and my clients, it it really is possible and AIP can have a big impact. Yeah, for sure. And I I mean, I've got to agree 100% with that. So I started my health journey, well, what would I have been, early 20s when I had um, Epsom-Barr virus and then, you know, everything kind of went downhill from there. It was exactly like I was fine until this happened. Then (laughs) my life felt over. But it's Uh um, the psoriasis is something I struggled with for years. I don't have any of the other autoimmune conditions, but I do know that using elements of the autoimmune protocol, and I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm like you, I'm the supplement queen, I'm the food queen, I do all the things and you can still struggle with flare ups, you know, but I do find that when I am strict on AIP, um, my psoriasis completely calms down and I have noticed over the last, I don't know, a few weeks I've started playing around with what are, you know, key triggers with it. And I think that's the thing with people that it is about reducing that inflammation. Um, And I know you're going to touch on what actually is involved in it, but when you start to reduce that inflammation, you notice such significant changes in your symptoms that it's just so rewarding um and yeah I think you really sort of get not addicted to it but you're like oh this is so good and then you can start to reintroduce foods and you can watch those triggers and and it is so great but um yeah yeah and that's what I was about to say it's that getting back to you know what you love as well it's empowering in that it gives you a little bit of um control that there is something that you can do to help your symptoms and um yeah, that's what I really love about it. And a lot of people don't realise that psoriasis is even an autoimmune condition. It's something that, you know, maybe they've lived with for years and no one's ever explained that to them. Yeah, um, yeah so I find that quite amazing as well. 
Yeah, and just understand, I guess, understanding your body as well, understanding that it is going to react to things. So what what is, you know, I know the basics of it, but it's obviously not my niche, which is why I'm talking to you. Um, What is involved in following the autoimmune protocol? Yeah, so the way I find it easiest um, to think about it, so there's sort of three things that the protocol focuses on. There's three phases to then follow within the protocol. And then at the end, I'd just love to bust three myths about it as well because there can be a lot of misconceptions out there about AIP. So I'd I'd love to cover that off as well. Um, So essentially, the three things that it focuses on, firstly, it's on providing all of the nutrients needed for optimal function. So through having lots of really nutrient-dense healing foods, Um, Two, you eliminate all inflammatory foods and there's science-backed reasons for each of these. Um, And then three, it supports health by also addressing strategies for good sleep and movement. And I prefer to say movement than exercise because many autoimmune people suffer with, um, you know, huge fatigue and or adrenal issues. So less is definitely more in this case. And Sometimes just getting through the day is challenging. So we just want to focus on movement. And of course, um, stress management as stress is often a big trigger for flares, um, as well as covering off the importance of connection and support from others. So that's how the protocol addresses it all. It's definitely not just diet. And then within the diet part, there's three phases to it. So The first is the elimination phase, which is probably where everyone freaks out that it's um, strict, (laughs) but it is strict for a reason. So initially, all known inflammatory foods are removed. Um, So basically foods or components of foods that are known to damage the gut and cause inflammation in the body. And we probably don't have time, obviously, to cover all the science behind each food group removal, um, but just to summarize, it's foods that contain things like um, lectins, protease inhibitors, or they're sometimes called anti-nutrients, um, phytic acid, gliadin and gluten. So things like that. So we remove, um, and it's, I know it's probably a scary list, but we remove grains, dairy, nightshades, sugar, nuts and seeds, legumes, uh, eggs, all processed foods, um, and highly processed vegetable oils and coffee and alcohol. Sorry, <laughs> um, but they do increase leaky gut. Um, so these foods are removed for a period of at least one month um, or until symptoms start to go away. So that length of time can differ for everybody. Although I find most people choose to do this phase longer than a month because they really start to notice the benefits and symptoms start to drop away. So they want to keep going. Um, I did that myself. I did the elimination phase for quite a few months. Um, and some people choose to do this elimination phase cold turkey or um, slow and steady. So cold turkey is how I chose to do it, but that's just how. Yep, same. <laughs> I know. It's, I just put my mind to it. I have a date and I just go, okay, I'm committing. Yep, yep. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm like, yeah, the, you're, you're all in or you're all out. I actually, honestly, I just find the easiest thing is to pop all my nuts and seeds and chocolate and coffee actually in the freezer where they yep. are out of sight, out of mind, but I don't feel like I need to throw anything out. And then it's just like, 
like, okay, all in. And when I get to that reintroduction phase, yep, cool. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. And I usually with clients do that. We do pantry prep. If someone's going to do um, cold turkey, we do pantry prep where we basically put away all the non-compliant foods initially so that they're not, (laughs) they're not a temptation in sight. And then we restock with all good quality nutrient dense foods. Um, And then I'm sure some people are probably listening to this and going, what on earth can I eat? Um, (laughs) But honestly, there is a huge um, amount of food on the foods to include list. Um, And I find it's much easier to focus on what you can eat instead of worrying about what you can't. So do all your meal planning from the foods to include list. Um, You can have most whole foods, lots of fruit and veg, good quality grass-fed pasta-raised meats, good quality fats like avocado, olive oil. There's honestly, there's plenty to choose from. Um, And if your listeners want as well, I've got a free PDF available on my website, which includes both lists. So all the foods to include and all the foods to avoid. So I can give you the link for that for your yes, show notes. Amazing. I will definitely pop that in because I know how helpful that will be for people, especially when they're starting off as well. Um, do you have listed on there, do you pull in many um, organ meats? Like a lot of, I follow a lot of Paul um, Saldino stuff on nose to tail eating and, you know, your livers yeah. and your this and your that. Do you incorporate a lot of that or do you use more liver supplements and things for people who just don't want to, don't, don't want to try it? <laughs> Yeah, so there's really the spectrum of people and I have to say I'm one of the people that struggles myself um, just in the cooking or the prep. So, you know, there's ways around things. I do take um, liver supplements and um, but I can extend to having pate. Yeah. So, you know, I just basically work with clients and meet them wherever they're at. There's ways to hide things into bolognese mints or it would be no mato bolognese mints because you can't have tomatoes because they're a nightshade but yeah there's definitely ways to work it in and it is super important to try and get that nutrient density in where possible like organ meats it's the highest um concentration you'd find in a food source of vitamin a Uh, it's got amazing vitamin d so that's the kind of thing that we do want to try and get into the diet um and i guess the second phase other than what we take out um after we've done that elimination phase that's the fun reintroduction phase um so we slowly reintroduce foods one at a time and it's in a certain four stage process based on the likely reactiveness of foods and then we track your reactions so if no reaction then you can permanently leave that food back reintroduce into your diet But if you do react, um, you keep the food out of your diet and you just try the next one on the list, knowing that it doesn't mean it's permanently out. Often the more your gut heals, the more foods you can tolerate. So we can try reintroducing it again further down the track. And when I say react, um, I'm talking about things like you might get extra fatigue on a day if you've tried a new food or you might get some gut symptoms or a headache, Um, sometimes the symptoms can be the next day, not the day of. So we sort of um, only reintroduce a new food every third day. And for me, um, one of my biggest ones is gluten. If I have gluten, I wake up really puffy the next day with fluid retention and I struggle to get my wedding ring on. 
Wow. So that's a really sign, uh, like an obvious sign of inflammation for me. So that's the process of reintroduction. And we really want to try and get back as many of the foods as we can so that you have a diverse diet. So it's not about permanently staying on the elimination phase. And then once the third phase, once you've sort of gone through the reintroduction process and got as many foods back into your diet as you can, um, that's been technically called the maintenance phase. So that's where you know the ideal way to eat for your body uniquely. Um, so then you just stay on that. And then I suppose to bust some myths, um, like I said, the first big myth that I find all the time is people go, oh, AIP, it's so restrictive. Yes, it is eliminating certain foods, but even in that strict phase, it still provides all of the nutrients um, you need to function optimally. You're not missing out on anything. And it's really about what you add, like you um, said before, what you add into the diet. So we want huge amounts of, of really good quality plant-based foods and um, grain-fed meats. We want to add in um, healing foods like bone broths, collagen, um, gut-healthy food, superfoods like mushrooms. And yes, of course, all the um, organ meats or even just one type, liver I find is normally the one people find the easiest. Um, and obviously, you know, if you're a person that said, yes, I'm eating AIP, oh, I'm not getting any better, but you may only be eating chicken and sweet potato. Um, and so that's not really, you know, sticking to the way the protocol was designed. So we want to eat the rainbow, lots of quality fats, um, fiber at every meal, heaps of phytonutrients. So yeah, that's basically myth one because a lot of people just restrict and they don't do the adding in. Yeah, for, for sure. And I I love that. Like I think that's so important. Like, oh, but I'm eating this and this and I'm not getting better. Like, you know, and if you've just limited yourself to one or two foods and, and FODMAPs and any of those other diets, those healing type dietary guidelines are, are the same in a sense. You can, you know, you can eliminate all these foods and just eat one or two things and go, well, you know, why is it not working? But you've got to go back to the principles of it and go, hey, it's actually, it's not built on restriction. It's actually built on increasing the nutrient density in your diet the reason it eliminates grains or the dairy and you know those processed foods is because they're not as nutrient dense as some of these good quality organic you know grass-fed meats and those kinds of things so I love that it's it's um it's got to be done right and that's yeah. yeah such a big key to it yeah absolutely and the second myth as well is you should never be hungry on AIP so I think sometimes it's difficult when you feel like you don't know what to eat and maybe you haven't meal planned or you haven't batch cooked, um, which is an amazing tool on AIP as well. Um, the purpose of the protocol is it's not to restrict the amount or the portion sizes of food you can have. You can absolutely eat until you're comfortably full with, you know, loads of all these amazing foods. Um and there's just so many resources out there, free AIP recipes to make it easy. You can even have AIP pizza, you know, have sweet treats. It's just using ingredients that aren't inflammatory and not necessarily, you know, obviously every day. Even on my blog, I have like an AIP cream brulee recipe for, you know, when you want a little sweet treat after dinner. Um, so, yeah, you can definitely eat and not 
restrict and never feel hungry. And I think if you feel hungry, that's when you're likely to reach for a non-AIP compliant food. So definitely continue to eat until you're full. Yeah, for sure. That's that's great. I, I love that. And then the last thing is, um, you know, what you alluded to before, it's not a forever diet um, or it doesn't need to be and definitely not the elimination phase. Um, so how many foods you get back will be different for you individually. Um, but obviously we want to try and get back as much diversity as we can because that's good for your gut microbiome. Um, so it's not about staying in that restrictive um, phase for too long. Um, and then once you go through the reintroductions, you really find what foods um, you can tolerate and what might flare symptoms. Um, so most people find they can kind of get back to maybe a standard paleo type diet and find maybe just one or two food types don't work for them. You know, possibly all nightshades or it might just be gluten or dairy. Um, and a lot of people can get all the good nuts and seeds and spices and eggs often added back into their diet. So this was definitely the case for me. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to go through those three myths basically. Um, it's not excluding foods, it's what you add. Um, you shouldn't ever be hungry and it's definitely not a forever way to eat. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. I love that you've touched on those three points. I think they're all um, super important for people. So to wrap it up, one last thing, if someone, you know, wants to do AIP or has started doing AIP and wants some other further support or other things to look into, what else can you do to support our autoimmune condition? Yeah, so I think um, definitely getting support can help because we can often feel completely already overwhelmed. Um, you're exhausted, you're possibly in pain, you know, insert any number of symptoms there. So it does often help to work with someone certified in autoimmune protocol to help you through that process. And then, of course, um, I often find that it is super beneficial to dive a little deeper than AIP and really look into um, gut function or adrenals or hormone imbalances um, to really enhance what a client's doing with AIP. So, um, yeah, I, I find, and particularly with Hashimoto's, it really um, slows down your gut function. And so then there's often gut issues with um, bacterial overgrowth or candida. Um, so really addressing those kind of things can really, um, you know, move the needle a little bit more. And um, like I mentioned, I had a lot of those hidden gut infections. So, um, you know, del delving deeper is um, super beneficial. And, you know, all of these things, pathogens, as you know, it's just an additional stress on your immune system that your immune system has to deal with and respond to constantly. Um, so by sort of um, gradually removing each of those things, it really does allow it to um, calm down. So I definitely encourage people to look into getting some functional lab testing done as well, just to support um, what they're doing with AIP. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. No, that's that's great, and I I back that a hundred and ten percent because um, even from a personal point of view, my immune system and my white blood cell counts and all those kinds of things dramatically uh, increased and got better once I started doing a lot of the gut work and started you know actually supporting my body better and looking at stress and looking at lifestyle and looking at all those gut infections. So to anyone who is listening and going, okay, I'm going to give ARP a go. I'm going to use some of Simone's resources. I'm going to have a look at some of her recipes. I'm going to, you know, jump on Instagram and have a look at the autoimmune protocol ladies, like the the founders of it, um, Mickey and I can't remember the yeah, other lady. Mickey, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mickey and Angie, that's yeah. who I trained with, them yeah. and uh, Sarah Ballantyne. There's heaps oh. of resources, heaps of free recipes. Um, you know, I have things on my socials as well. Beautiful. And, um, yeah, so it really doesn't have to. Um, cost a lot of money there's so many more resources available now than when I first did it Um, so yeah I definitely encourage people to consider giving it a go yeah, for sure. And yeah, like I said, if you've given it a go and you don't feel like you're getting the answers, then I will link in Simone's um, email, her Instagram, her Facebook, um, and also that freebie with the ARP foods to include and foods to avoid, which will help a lot of you out as well. So thank you so much for being here, Simone. And was though, what was the best way to get in contact with you? Just website or Instagram? Um, yeah, either. Like you could head to my website. Um, there's links on there to my Instagram and Facebook. Um, and also, I guess if anyone wanted to find out more, um, I do offer um, free 20-minute chats if they want to have a chat and find out whether AIP might help them. Um, so, yeah, everything's on my website and socials. So Instagram's at Simone Jamie Wellness and Facebook is Simone Jamie FDNP. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And that was yeah, super helpful for so many people, myself included. And I know there's plenty of client clients who'll be like, ah, go listen to this podcast and listen to this lady because it's amazing. So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, pleasure. Thanks so much. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.